Hello people, welcome, welcome, welcome. So good to see you. Thank you for coming to hang out with me around the precious word of God. Yeah, that's what makes a difference. Honestly, it's the word of God, nothing else. It's the difference maker. And it's why we are gathered here every Monday, just hanging out around the word of God. God's word is so powerful. God's word can change your life. God's word will change your life if you give yourself to it completely and that's what we do here we just get together we share the word about 45 minutes to one hour every monday we get in the word and we share and we learn together and it's practical it's not just to fill our minds but to just teach us how to live from what i've learned what i'm learning is what i share okay so welcome why don't you go ahead share the link let our friends know that we are on share 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 you never know who's going to click on that link and get to be part of this amazing family of people who hang around the word of God and get to hear what does God require of me, who is God, what are the things we can overcome. While, you know, I, that my desire is for us to get to a point where we live by the word of God. We live by the word of God. Like literally, every, every question you have, you ask yourself, what does the word of God say? Because this book shows us what everything we need for life and godliness is in the word of God everything we need for life and godliness everything and i mean everything and god is able to guide us but we have to get in to see what it says and as always today god is going to be speaking to us through his word on something very powerful so why don't you go ahead and share as we even give thanks and welcome the holy spirit wherever we are holy spirit we welcome you we thank you for your presence we thank you for your power we thank you for your glory that covers us wherever we are right now. Lord, I thank you for your comfort. I thank you for your help. I thank you that you are an ever-present help in time of need. I thank you, Lord, that even right now, you, your presence simply overshadows every problem, every issue, every anxiety that people are carrying today, Lord. You overshadow it with your grace. Father, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that right now you are about to open to us a mystery because it is given to us to know the mysteries of the kingdom. Thank you, Father. We praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Before I get into the teaching for today, I want to encourage someone. You know, this is a statement in my mind. The devil can reduce your entire life to one experience that you're going through right now. Yeah, he can. When I was in secondary school, I used to teach in the fellowship. And one of those days, I remember I was teaching about what we focus on and how it grows. And what came to my mind was getting a white piece of paper and just putting a black dot in the middle, colored it with a marker. And I showed it to the fellowship and asked them, what do you see? Everyone, a black dot, a black dot. People are like, as in, what is she showing us? It was not ruled paper, it was just plain white paper from my room of paper with a white black dot in the middle and I kept waiting for someone to say a white paper no one saw the white paper everyone saw the black dot and that's what the enemy does to us he gets you to focus on one area of your life that's not going right maybe it's your relationship maybe it's your finances maybe it's your health maybe it's a weakness you carry maybe it's your I don't know whatever it is <laughs> maybe it's your career maybe it's your education maybe it's They've, they've chucked you again. I don't know. But the, or, you, or you wish you could at least experience being chucked even. Like no one is even talking to you. But it can be that you get your entire existence and you reduce it to one single experience that's going on right now. And you forget the things that God is doing in your life. Let me see if I can find that scripture quickly in the book of Psalms. A powerful scripture there. Yeah, 69. I was just looking at verse 3 instead of 30. Psalm 69, verse 30. Mm-hmm. It's a word for somebody. Verse 30, and it says, I will praise the Lord, the name of the Lord with a song, and will magnify him with thanksgiving. Will is there twice in one verse. That it's a matter of your will. Don't wait to feel good to give thanks. And this is in line actually now that I think about it of what we're going to share today. 
I will magnify, I will praise the name of God with a song. I will magnify him with thanksgiving. You make God bigger by giving him thanks and focusing on what he has done. And then verse 31 says, This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bull, which has horns and hooves. God is more pleased by your thanksgiving than your money <laughs> that you bring him in offertory on Sunday morning. Your thanksgiving, because your thanksgiving focuses your mind and your heart on the things that God has done. And not on what the enemy has done because the enemy wants you focused on what's not going right and to convince you that your life is a complete failure and nothing is going right for you. And, and you know what? That leads to what I'm going to talk about today. Because today I'm going to talk about something that can make you get stuck in life. According to the scriptures. Something that the Israelites did while they were in the wilderness that actually led to them ending up in unbelief and failing to enter the promised land. Understand that entering the promised land was not that God refused them to enter the promised land. God got them a deliverer, Moses, sent him with power, so many plagues in that land, delivered them with a mighty hand. People of, of, of Egypt gave them gifts. You know, God can come and speak to you in a vision of the night. You can have a supernatural encounter and God can show you the destiny of your life, but you might fail to get there. Just because God said it doesn't mean it's going to come to pass, always. Because we have a part to play. And, and, and today I'm going to be going in so many places in the scriptures, so you'll have to stick with me. Because this is one of those things, again, it is given to us to understand the plots of the devil. Because you see, these things I'm talking about seem very, they're not a big deal, okay, in terms of the natural. But in the spirit, they are such a big deal. And so I'm going to start where I hadn't even planned to start, in the book of Romans. I'll start in the book of Romans chapter 10 um, that talks about how people get born again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Uh-huh. 10-10. Maybe I can start from 10-9. Romans 10-9. You're going to understand this thing that I'm going to talk about. Has, has, you're going, uh, we shall arrive there. Uh, you shall arrive there. Let's build the case, Right? So Romans 10, 9, and 10, but I want you to memorize 10, 10. It's even easy to remember. It says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And many of you are going to have an opportunity today at the end of today's broadcast to actually get saved as you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Then verse 10 says something incredible. He says, for with the heart one believes unto righteousness. It is your heart that believes and that belief leads you to the righteousness of God. He says, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. There are two things that work together to get you to your place of complete deliverance and deliverance being to, you think of the word deliver because deliverance comes from the word deliver. Like to deliver something is to get it from here to there, to move it from one place to another. If I said, help me deliver this box of chocolate to so and so, you would move it from where I am to where the person is so that they receive it and enjoy it. So deliverance is when God translates you from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, from poverty to wealth. That is deliverance, like where the wealth shows up. From um, sickness to health from a sadness to joy, from mourning to joy and dancing. Like th th there's a deliverance. There are deliverances that you've not yet seen. They've not yet been delivered to you. Like they are, they are on the way in the spirit. They've not yet manifested in your life. And I'm going to show you one of the things that is possibly holding you back. Because these two things work together. Just because you believe it doesn't mean it's going to manifest. The, the, the belief leads to righteousness. The belief, you, you believe unto righteousness like when you believe in God immediately you are cleansed from your sins but when you confess with your mouth he says that salvation that you that that with the mouth confession is made unto salvation the word confession there means to agree with God that with the mouth agreement is made with God unto salvation and salvation here is not forgiveness of sins. He's saying that your confession is what leads to the manifestation of the life of God. Salvation is sozo, 
the God life, the full package of salvation, which includes health, deliverance, wealth, great relationships, a mind that is working right. It is a full life, the one he talks about in John 10, 10, that he came to give you life in all its fullness, eternal life. That to reign in life as he is, so are you in this world. That is the salvation that is being spoken about here. Salvation, many of us have thought that salvation is forgiveness of sins. Forgiveness of sins, like my pastor, Apostle Mose, likes to say, forgiveness of sins is when you, it's stopping at the door. It's, it's arriving at my gate. You can't come to my gate and say, I've been to Pastor B3's house. You haven't. You've been to the gate. You don't know anything that happens inside. You can say you've been to my house, but a person also who has reached the door will say they've been to my house. Another one who has been in the sitting room will say they've lived, they've, lived, they've been to my house. And then another one who has lived here and interacted and been to every room and enjoyed my home will also say I've been to the house. All of you have different experiences. So salvation, which you understand forgiveness of sins, is the access, is like access into salvation. It's not salvation. Because without forgiveness, you cannot approach God and you can't access what God has. That's why in Romans 5.1, he says that, that we have access, that we have, that we have peace with God and we have access into his grace in which we stand. Okay? So, this, I want you to remember this scripture that it begins by saying, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness. And many of us are, are, are on the journey to that place of believing. With our hearts, we believe, we believe. But the thing that is holding us back from seeing the full deliverance, like the children of Israel, they left Egypt. And what was supposed to be an 11-day journey became a 40-year journey and still they were never delivered into the land of promise. They died in between, in between being delivered from Egypt. They died between there and the land of promise. And many of us, that's what is going on in your life. That you're between, you got born again, but you're there in between. You, you, there are things you know in your mind that belong to you as a Christian, but you don't see them. So you've not entered the land of promise. Like you're in it, in the spirit, because all these things have been given spiritually, but God is not withholding anything. But now it's our part that is left. Our faith has to remove things from the spirit and manifest them in the flesh and to the extent that we do that and i'm going to talk about one of the keys one of the keys today that is right here in verse 10 with the mouth confession is made unto salvation with the mouth confession is made unto salvation with the mouth confession agreement with god is done with your mouth you can't agree with god in your head Agreement with God is made with your mouth, with the mouth. Confession, which means agreeing with God. That's why he says he's the high priest of our confession. Because confession is agreeing with God. Agreeing with God. With the mouth, confession is made unto righteous, unto salvation. With the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. That your mouth is your delivery portal. In the spirit realm. Why? Words create. That's how God created the world. With the mouth. That's why he tells Joshua, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall matter it day and night. There it says meditate in it. Matter it. Speak it day and night. That you may be able to do according to all that is written in it. For then will you make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. It was up to Joshua how much success he was going to have. It was going to depend on his confession unto salvation. He had to keep agreeing with God. Speaking what God is speaking. Are you speaking what God is speaking concerning your life? But I'm not even, today I'm not talking about confessing good things. I'm showing you the thing, the exact opposite of this. Because that same confession, because our power, our words have power. I'm going to show it to you. You know it already. Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18. Verses 20 and 21. says, A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. A man's stomach shall be satisfied from the fruit of his mouth. From the produce of his lips, he shall be filled. My goodness. Then he says, maybe you don't understand what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about eating food and swallowing. He says, death and life. Because talking about what your lips produce what, produce, what your mouth speaks. He says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. 
and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Now we like to talk about the life part, but there's also the death part. That's what now Israel used their tongues in the opposite way and they experienced death, which was not actually, eventually they actually died. Their carcasses were left in the desert in Numbers 17. It talks about how they were left in the desert to die because they used their mouth the wrong way. I'm going to show you things that you should tear clear of in your life because they will keep you stuck. You will rotate because your mouth actually determines the course of your life. Let me show you uh, one, another scripture in the book of James. Thank you, Holy Spirit. In the book of James, chapter, actually begins in chapter 1. Many of us only go straight to chapter 3, but when you see chapter 1 of James, out of the blue, James starts to talk about uh, being doers of the word and not hearers only. If anyone is a hearer and not a doer, they are like a man who observes their face in the mirror, you know, but they forget immediately. And then he talks about he looks in the perfect law of liberty and continues in it. And is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer. This one will be blessed in what he does. Then verse 26, James 1. He says, if anyone among you, anyone among you, thinks he is religious, but does not bridle his tongue or control his tongue, he deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. Huh? <laughs> hmm. You guys, have you heard that? That if anyone among you thinks he is religious and does not control, bridle, hold in, now, this is an area of weakness for many of us, including me. I'm really still growing in this area. That doesn't rein in his tongue, but deceives his own heart. In other words, if you remember the heart believes, the mouth confesses. Now, he's saying that if your tongue speaks lies or speaks continuously against the word of God, your heart gets deceived. And remember, your heart is the womb of your spirit. That's where things are conceived in the heart. That's why as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So it begins with the heart is convinced, the mouth proclaims. Now he's saying that if your mouth continues speaking, I'm a failure. Nothing good ever happens to me. Every time something good happens to me, it goes bad. Then what's happening is that you're speaking and deceiving your heart to the point that your heart now gets convinced and then you start speaking from your heart. The mouth tells the heart, then the heart eventually starts telling the mouth. And then you start creating realities. And then the thing that we've seen in Proverbs, you start to eat the fruit of the lips. And sometimes the fruit you're eating is not good. So that's why many of us find ourselves stuck in the desert. Stuck in certain areas of our lives where we have confessed continuously the same thing. I'm not, I'm, today I'm not even talking about confession, but we've begun here. That a man who doesn't control his tongue, deceives his heart and their religion is useless because you become double-minded it becomes the other man who they've talked about who receives nothing from the lord and then in chapter three he talks about the tongue and talks about how listen how he the, the pictures he uses he says verse two for we all stumble in many things that is true and he says if anyone does not stumble in word he is a perfect man able to also bridle the whole body Indeed, we put bits in, now he starts giving you pictures of what the tongue does, that you put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body, like that thing in the mouth of the horse helps you to turn the entire body of the horse. It's that bit that you put in the mouth of a horse that, of course, many of us don't really deal with horses, so we can't really paint a picture of what these people are talking about. But he's saying there's something they put in the mouth of the horse, and using that, they direct the body of the horse, whether to go left, right, to jump, to move slowly, to move faster. It is that control mechanism in the mouth. He's saying that your tongue is like that. Small as it is, it determines the course of your entire life. <laughs> and then he says, indeed, look at also ships. Verse 4, chapter 3 of James. Look also at ships. S-H-I-P-S. Although they are so large, and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Think of a ship. 
it's big on a water body it is going against water it's going against winds it's going against but the thing controlling the direction is not the wind the thing controlling the direction is not the water boisterous as it might be the thing controlling the direction of that ship is the little rudder it determines if the ship goes left or right he's painting a picture he's saying our tongues are like that that it's not about the storms that come in our lives. It's not about the, the things that, that have power in our lives. No, it's not about your family background. It's not about the situation you're facing right now. It's about what your mouth, the creator, this, 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 the tongue, it directs the course of your life. And then he says, even so, after he has given you those pictures, he says, even so the tongue is a little member. <laughs> and boasts great things. See how great a little a forest, a little fire kindles. And he says, and that, that tongue is a fire. A wild, you don't need a big fire to set, set a blaze a whole house. You set a small fire in a corner. The whole house is burnt to the ground. Your tongue can move you forward or keep you stuck between the land of promise in your salvation and deliverance from that from the enemy's camp you can be when you are born again you're delivered from the enemy's camp but you're stuck somewhere in the middle your heart knows the things that belong to you but your mouth confesses the opposite and is deceiving your heart so much and you know that the world now says that you know express your opinion some some opinions don't need to be expressed mm. freedom of speech that freedom sometimes of speech is your bondage because you don't have to say everything that comes to your mind. The enemy is always planting contrary things in your head. Because he knows that until you speak, he cannot do much. He needs you to speak and give him permission. Because you're a creative force. And I'm not saying that there is no grace. Of course, right now all our lives will be shattered if everything we confessed came to pass. But the problem is this. It is what you confess from your heart that creates and you see, your ears keep hearing your voice so much that at some point you're so convinced about something that you speak it from your heart and it comes to pass. And so he goes on to talk about that, you know, every beast or bird or whatever. No man can tame the tongue. What with it will bless the father. Mm -mm -mm -mm. On and on he goes. But that's not the thing I'm talking about today. The thing I'm talking about today is complaining and murmuring complaining and murmuring are not innocent they are not a personality type you're not born a complainer by nature you can retrain yourself because complaining and murmuring will keep you stuck they are one of the most consistent weapons that the enemy uses to keep you stuck because they seem so natural, like, yeah, the thing is going on, I have to talk about it. No, you don't. No, you don't. You don't have to complain about everything. You don't have to murmur about everything and be there all the time. That's what happened to the children of Israel. They left Egypt, but they stayed between Egypt and the promised land because of one thing, complaining, grumbling, murmuring. Let me show you some scriptures because now I'm going to show you in the book of Numbers so many scriptures there. But in Corinthians, maybe we'll come back to Corinthians after I've showed you Numbers because some of you are like, no, 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 no. Yes. So far, I've been showing you scriptures all over the place. James, what? Let's look at now Numbers. For me, I don't know where to start in Numbers because the complaints begin in chapter 11 there. All the way to, I think, chapter like... Maybe chapter 17. But from chapter, if you have, not if you have time, I would encourage you to study this deeper on your own and see what happened, the patterns that these people had. It was a pattern of complaining. I'm not talking about once in a while. Even that one, you should get rid of it. But I'm, you see, when you start to complain, you create an environment. God operates in the environment of peace. In Exodus 14, 14, he says to the children of Israel, you shall hold your feet peace and God will fight for you. Exodus 14, 14. God fights. God operates in an environment of peace. Complaining does not create an environment of peace. I hate it so much. I'm always, I tell my children, when you start whining, something in my head, it's like I'm hearing a, a loud sound that is sharp. I can't hear you 
Because when you're complaining, I can't hear you like that. The whole environment changes. It's a spiritual dynamic that takes place, takes church over. I can't hear you. So I send them out and say, go calm down, come talk to me. Don't talk to me in that whining voice. I can't hear you. You're creating another environment in my home and in my space wherever I am. Complaining changes the atmosphere. It's not innocent. The same way words of faith change the atmosphere. Listen, you make a confession unto salvation. When you open your mouth and speak that you believe in Jesus, you cross over from one dimension to another. That should tell you something about our words. That with your words, confession is made unto salvation. Meaning that with your words also, you can deliver yourself from one realm to another that is negative. I know of a man that was written about, I think, by, is it Smith Wigglesworth? Or Kenneth Hagin, the man of God of blessed memory, that this guy, they brought a gentleman who was dying of a strange disease. And one of these great men of God went to pray for him and the Holy Spirit told him he's going to die. Um, because he had kept, now he, he, he asked, how old is this man? They told him he was, he, he was just about to make 40. And that this man had been confessing that he will never go beyond his 40th birthday. That he confessed it for years. Over. And right before his 40th birthday, he got a disease that killed him. Because he, the, the man of God saw that in the spirit that this person has locked themselves at a certain age, so he actually cannot get better. And you know what? He really couldn't get better. He had to die because he had, he had created it. No power could undo it. <laughs> And the children of Israel, do you know what they kept saying? Why don't we die in the wilderness? Why did you take us, leave us in Egypt to die? You brought us to die in the wilderness. Every small thing, they complained. They complained until God said, you know what, guys? There's no way you can be the ones to enter the promised land. You, like the, law, the laws of, 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 of the spirit cannot let you get in. So, in chapter 11, it begins there. When the people complained, it displeased the Lord. For me, that's enough. I don't even want to continue beyond that. But it says, when the people complained, it displeased the Lord. Let me tell you, when you complain, it displeases the Lord. God does not take pleasure in your complaints. There's no way it says, God says, bring your complaints to him. No, he says, be anxious for nothing. Don't say, but when I'm anxious, don't complain. When you're anxious, pray. Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. But in all things, with prayer, petition, and thanksgiving, make your requests, not complaints requests known to God. Request God for help. And what will happen? The first thing that happens, the peace of God that surpasses human understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Don't complain. Complain displeases the Lord. Because complaining is when you think, I don't think that complaining is, is us saying God is powerful. It's us looking at our situations and, and reducing our entire existence to what's going on right now. Like you can't elevate while complaining. When you complain, you come down spiritually. You come lower. When the people complain, Numbers 11, 1, I'd even never seen this. It displeased the Lord. For the Lord heard it. That's the thing. God hears it. And his anger was aroused. <laughs> so the fire of the Lord burnt among them and consumed them in the outskirts of the camp. And the Lord, you know, Moses, they cried out. And Moses and Aaron prayed to the Lord and the fire was quenched. You know, and this happened over and over and over. This is not the first time. The mixed multitude who were among them yielded to intense craving. Verse 4. So the children of Israel also wept again. My God. And said, who will give us meat to eat? Can you imagine? We remember the fish which we ate freely in Egypt. Ah, you were in bondage? You're remembering fish? The cucumbers? Wow. The melons? Wow. The leeks? Wow. The onions? Wow. And garlic? Wow. Do you see what is making them complain? Food! But some of you, you need to stop complaining in restaurants. They even know you. You enter and there's always something you're unhappy about. A child of God. Okay, yeah. Something didn't go right. You can correct it, but don't complain. Don't complain. You people, this place is always, well, then don't go there. Don't complain. And I'm telling you as I'm telling me. This is not an area where I'm perfected at all. Every once in a while I catch myself and I have to repent. Complaining displeases the Lord. But you know that their complaining was a result of Yielding to intense craving. 
Sometimes they're craving for attention. Sometimes they're craving for food. Sometimes it's a craving to be treated a certain way. Sometimes it's a craving for an increment in your salary. Sometimes it's a, a craving to be accepted at your workplace. So you feel that if you don't complain, they will think that you're not uh, flying with the others, you know. And then our, now our whole being, they say in verse 6, our whole being is dried up. There is nothing at all except this manna before our eyes. Meanwhile, they are calling it this manna. It was baked from heaven daily. Now the manna was like coriander seed. Its color was like the color of delium. The people went about and gathered it, ground it on millstones, millstones or beat it in the mortar, cooked it in pans, made cakes of it, and its taste was like the taste of pastry prepared with oil. And when the dew fell on the camp in the night, the manna fell on it. Then Moses had the people weeping throughout their families. You people. <laughs> Everyone at their door of tent. You, as in, God took you from Egypt, a land of slavery. You're in a place moving from, that, from Egypt to Canaan. You are covered by a cloud by day and fire by night. The glory of God dwells among you. You're crying about food. Meanwhile, you have food. And everyone was weeping now they were not even complaining like they moved from you see that's a thing that complaining comes in phases you start by your mouth the next thing you know your emotions get involved now you're screaming you're saying words you shouldn't have said you're doing what you're destroying relationships some of you that's how you've lost your jobs by complaining no one no boss you if you are the boss would you want to employ a person who's always complaining no you wouldn't. You wouldn't want to live with someone who is always complaining. Listen, some of you are like, no, I complain because at my home people are not clean. Then you clean instead of complaining. You teach them to be clean. My husband is a very clean man, but he's a man of peace. He likes order. He walk into this house and I do my best to keep this house in great order. But sometimes you have children. You're not going to be perfect all the time. He'll walk in. From the time we are married, he starts just pushing things into place while being very gentle talking, saying, eh, but this place is dirty. Or well, maybe this place is disorganized. We really need to fix it. He's not complaining. I can't imagine living with, they talk about a complaining woman, how she's like a dripping roof. You may living under a roof that is constantly dripping. It's so, that's how some of us are. Guys, by the way, I'm, I'm telling you, it's a word of knowledge for some of you. Your promotions in life have been held back by your tongue and complaining. Stop it. You refuse to complain. Instead of complaining, give compliments, give thanks, talk about good things. For, try it for the next two weeks. First of all, you'll feel better because complaining leads to emotional pain. After that, it leads to uh, just changing your environment. And then eventually you stay stuck. The thing you complain about, it doesn't change. I can ask you for evidence. Has it changed by your complaining? It doesn't. You complain about your marriage to your spouse. They will worsen in that area which you complain about. Try it and see. Okay, don't try it. It's not good. You won't like it. The thing you complain about. I've told this story before about the, 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 a place where I worked. And good enough, I have, I have witnesses. Yeah, we had a boss who I really liked. Uh, he was just very, he was driven and he needed things done. And me, I, I, like, I like when someone keeps me engaged and working instead of, you know, wasting time. So I really enjoyed him. But when I came in, his reputation was so bad in the department. How he's, he's, he's a slave driver. He's so mean. He's so, he's so not generous. He's so all these things. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and change my confession. So I, I, would, I, would, I, I remember particularly a few incidents. Maybe to one, there's a shirt used to wear. It was between gray and blue. Me, I didn't notice. But my, my workmate said, oh, he has worn that shirt. When he wears that shirt. He's in a foul mood all day. You know, the department is in trouble. I don't know what. Now me had learned power of confession. So I went to him and, and greeted him. And I told him, do you know what they've told me? That you're wearing your lucky shirt. He said, the lucky shirt. And he had come in a bit of a mood. I said, yeah, I'm told that every time you wear this shirt, you're in a good mood. You buy stuff for people in the department. You play music. It's a good day. He said, really? I didn't even know I had a lucky shirt. You know, people get to notice things you don't notice did exactly what I said. He played music, he even put on one earring. That day he put an, a pin in his ear, put music on, started buying, he bought us um, sandwiches. That day people were looking at me, like, what have you done? I'm like, yeah. Because when I started talking, they thought I was going to say what they had said. I said the opposite. Another time I was told how he's not generous. 
always people are like you can't it is money that guy is so mean i don't know i went and told him i'm told you're super generous me i've never experienced your generosity and so now i told him one day a week you're buying me a sandwich you have money we all know you you have lots of money what everyone everyone once once a week he used to buy me a particular tuna sandwich and one time i was not feeling well i had been overworking and we never had leave and i remember he came to me and said you know what i need you to take a break he dropped me at one of the best hotels in Kampala called Serena and he he told he told them to do a full body massage for me hot stone massage and he told me after that go home and take a break it had never happened i don't think my, the people i worked with are here they can tell me if any of them had ever experienced something like that with that boss of mine but it was that i i i i drew out something else in him you're complaining will actually draw out like almost poison from the other person don't complain correcting and complaining are two different things but sometimes you need to start speaking life and as a parent i fall short in this area i need to stop complaining about my children and instead speak life because i've seen it work the opposite works complaining moses had them weeping everyone in their families and the anger you see what happens i want you to see the pattern every time they complain the anger of the lord was aroused The anger of the Lord was aroused, greatly aroused, and Moses was also displeased. Moses said to the Lord, why have you afflicted me? Why haven't I found favor in your sight? Like there is no joy in leading complainers. Moses eventually says to God, did I, not, did I conceive these people? Did I beget them that you should say to me, carry them? Now he also he begins complaining in your bosom as a guardian, carries a nursing child to the land which you swore to their fathers. Where, where? Where am I to get meat to give all these people? They weep all over me saying, give us meat that we may eat. I'm not able to bear all these people alone because the burden is too heavy for me. If you treat me like this, please kill me. As in Moses gets to the point where he says, Lord, kill me. I would rather die than leave these people. You guys, complaining creates an environment that of death, of being stuck, of stagnation. It stinks. I can't even smell it. Complaining creates a bad scent in the spirit that brings displeasure you know the way faith pleases god complaining displeases god it's here every i can show you over and over every time they complained it displeased the lord they complained it displeased the lord they complained it displeased the lord over and over and over again I'm going to keep showing you. That was just Numbers 11. Let's go to Numbers um, 12. Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married. Okay, that one is different from complaining, but it's murmuring now. Eh? Murmuring, talking, talking, things you shouldn't be talking. And so they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. The problem is that God hears the complaints. Now the man Moses was very humble more than all the men who were on the face of the earth. Suddenly the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out you three to the tabernacle of meeting. So the three came out. This one is another lesson for another day. God dealt with them because they touched his anointed with their words. You see that's a thing with complaining. Before you know it you're stumbling. <laughs> you're stumbling in your words. You move from complaining about meat to complaining about people. And then complaining about the Lord's anointed. That one is next level because immediately there was leprosy and things happening and Moses had to cry out to the Lord to heal heal her what heal Miriam because God heard Moses didn't hear them talking about him but God heard It keeps it keeps getting worse eventually they sent spies You see they were so close to the land of Canaan that they could send people to go and spy the land because the people were too fearful so they sent spies out to the land And the spies come back for each each tribe sent um, a man from a tribe you know one of their generals go out there and then these people come back verse 26 of chapter 13 from 25 they returned from spying out the land after 40 days meaning it was so close because they went they spied the land then they came back 40 days remember these guys took 40 years in the wilderness mostly because of complaining god is like they are not ready they can't enter this land of promise with this tongue you cannot enter your land of promise with a, a contrary tongue your tongue is your creative power so if you use your words 
to create a contrary reality? How will you enter your promised land? Stop comp complaining, murmuring, grumbling. No. <laughs> now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran at Kadesh. They brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. You see, they, they told them, we went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey. That's why I, I like milk. You can't stop me from taking milk. And I also like honey. It's in the Bible. It's in the land of promise. It can't be bad for my health. No thanks. The land flowing with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. Nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites and the Jebusites and the Amorites dwell in the mountains. The Canaanites dwell by the sea along the banks of the Jordan. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession. Two people, two companies. One goes, comes back with stories of bad things. Another one comes back. They saw the same thing. He says, We are well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, We are not able to go with up against the people for they are stronger than we and they have they, and they gave the children of israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out saying the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants and all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature there we saw the giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight i'm going to teach on this one of these days and so were we in their sight how you see yourself and how it impacts what you can receive from god they first saw themselves as grasshoppers. <laughs> so verse now chapter 14. So all the congregation of Israel lifted up their voices and cried. Israelites, They are like us, forever crying to the Lord. They cried and the people wept that night. <laughs> so dramatic. And all the children of Israel, listen, complained against Moses and Aaron. And the whole congregation said to them, if only we had died in the land of Egypt. Or if only we had died in this wilderness. Oh, some of you, those are the if only. Lord, if only. If only at least. If, if only I had, had, I, had, I had maybe had a child before I was married. If only I had not married this person. If only I had had, had another education. If only I had been born in another family. If only I had another boss. If only I was a man. If only I was American. If only I was white. If only. I was black. Wow. How does that help the if only? Because the thing you're saying if only about is not happening. Complaining blinds you to what God is doing in your life. <laughs> if only. Why has the Lord brought us to this land to fall by the sword? That, that our wives and children should become victims. Would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? I'm sorry, what? Now we've reached the point of returning to Egypt? Where you were enslaved. And some of you have thought that. God, before I was saved, things were better. I, I, maybe I should go back to the world. Because it seems like uh, the devil was a better father than God. <laughs> Would it not be better for us to go back? So they say to one another, let us select a leader and return to Egypt. Moses and Aaron fell on their, fell on their faces before the congregation. Joshua, the son of Nun and Caleb, who were among those who had spied out the land, tore their clothes. They spoke to all the congregation of Israel, saying, the land we passed through to spy is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us. For them, they were focused on God. The land is good. God has told us we'll take it. Let's go. Before you complain, you first focus on something wrong. Guys, complaining keeps you stuck. Complaining keeps you stuck, takes away your joy, changes the atmosphere spiritually and makes you small and you never enter your promised land while you're complaining. It goes on and on. Eventually Moses has to intercede for the people because the anger of the Lord was kindled indeed. And then, yeah, the Lord said to Moses, how long will these people reject me? Your complaints to God, that's how it sounds to him. How long will they not believe me with all the signs that I've performed among them? Hmm? I will strike them with the pestilence and disinherit them. And I will make you a nation greater and mightier than they. God was about to kill all of Israel and then bring a new nation out of Moses. But Moses interceded. And that's what Jesus does for us. He's always interceding for us in heaven. Because I don't know. Yeah? Let the power of the Lord be great. You know, Moses intercedes and you know until eventually. But God says to Moses, you know what? Because they did not believe me. 
he says it um in um in verse 28 of chapter 14 actually he begins verse 27 how long shall i bear with this evil congregation who complain against me ouch when we complain against the lord it's a sign of not believing him and it's evil in his sight because you know god's greatest pain i don't know who said it but someone said god's greatest pain is to not be believed because if we don't believe we cannot see what he has said so he says, how long will I bear with this evil congregation who complain against me? And then he says the same thing which we had earlier. I have had the complaints which the children of Israel make against me. Say to them, as I live, says the Lord, just as you have spoken in my hearing, so I will do to you. He, was, he, was, he had had enough. The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered according to your entire number from 20 years old and above, except for Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun, you shall by no means enter the land which I swore I would make you dwell in. What a statement. That the thing God said, I swore that you would dwell in that land. Now he has said you will by no means enter it. Why? Because of your complaints. <laughs> But your little ones whom you said would be victims, so your children will enter the land, but you will not. As for you, your carcasses shall fall in this wilderness. Your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years and bear the brunt of your infidelity until your carcasses are consumed in the wilderness. According to the number of days that you've spied the land, 40 days. For each day you shall bear your guilt one year. That's how they ended up in 40 years in the wilderness. Each day you have complained. Each day that you, have, each day that you spied the land and you came back and gave a bad report. 40 days of spying. 40 years in the wilderness until you all die. I will surely do so to all these evil congregation who are gathered together against me. In this wilderness they shall be consumed and they shall die. So they all indeed they died. The men whom, whom Moses sent to spy the land who returned and made all the congregation complain. May you never be the one who makes people complain. You know where the one who always starts the complaints? They made all the people complain by bringing a bad report of the land. Those very men who brought the evil report against the land it stops from being a complaining report to an evil report. They died by the plague before the Lord. But Joshua the son of Nun and Caleb the son of Jephunneh remained alive of the men who went to spy out the land. The only men who survived and entered the promised land of that generation were the ones who refused to complain. Listen to me, complaining is bad. Let me close with this scripture. I don't need to even say much. I know you are, you are understanding. The next time someone starts complaining, tell them, mm, let's, not, let's not do that. Because in that moment, God removes himself. The environment of complaining is so evil. God re removes himself from it. Some of your homes, there's too much complaining in your home. That's why there's just no peace. Just no peace. Stop complaining. Stop complaining about the food, about the chairs, about the paint, about the maid, about... Hey, hey. Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 10 is talking about Old Testament examples. These things are for our example. These things are not there for us to ignore. That, oh, that was the Old Testament, so complaining doesn't matter. No, they are principles. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware. That's how it begins. Paul the Apostle, the preacher of grace, that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All ate the same spiritual food, which was manna. And all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased. For their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now these things became our examples. To the intent that we should not last after evil things as they also lasted. That's the first lesson. The second lesson, do, and do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. And then it says, that's the second lesson. Don't be idolaters. Don't be, first thing was, don't last after evil things like food. Then he says, don't be idolaters. The second one, no, let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did in one day, 23,000 fell. No, let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted Christ and were destroyed by serpents. And then verse 10, 
nor complain. As some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. I'll read it again. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. When we complain, we open our lives to the destroyer. Remember, your tongue is like the rudder of a ship. It controls the direction of your life. When you speak, you give permission either to demons or to angels to work on your behalf. No complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Don't complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now, all these things happened to them as examples. And they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of ages have come. They were written for our admonition, for our, to be careful how we, how we use our tongues. They are not innocent. When we complain, we open the door for the destroyer to destroy our lives. God is not going to come and destroy you. His grace is over you. But when you complain, you open a door. It's spiritual, like he can't close it. You understand it's you who closes it by now speaking life into what you are speaking death into. And thank God that he's a redeemer. That even as you're learning this, if you've been the queen of, especially women, we are usually the greatest complainers. Men don't fall into this trap a lot. Women, we can complain. We can complain. We complain in taxis as we go home. We complain, you know, we complain about almost everything. Try no complaining for two weeks and see what's going to happen. You will have the urge, but don't. Because you're opening a door. You're opening the door of the complainer, the, 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 the enemy to destroy your life. And so we don't want that. Do not complain. What do you, what do, you do instead? Give thanks. Because if I just say don't complain, uh-huh. Switch complaining for thanksgiving. <laughs> Switch complaining for thanksgiving. That's why he says that in all things give thanks. This is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. God's will for you is to always be a person who is thankful, who is aware of what God is doing. Walk into your home and instead of seeing what's wrong, see what's right. Thank God that you have a home to live in. Thank God that you have, you can, you have capacity to see what's right and what's wrong in the home. Thank God that you can clean. Thank God that you have help. Thank God that you have a, a, a car to sit in, and it, whether it's yours or it's, it's public means to drop you home. Thank God that when you went to a restaurant, you can order something to eat. You have money. Thank God that someone is serving you. If they give you bad service, you still bless them. Yes, you can, you can talk about it, but without complaining. Give thanks. Let me show you a scripture as we close. Jeremiah 30, 19. Complaining is not innocent. It keeps you bound. It keeps you stuck. Jeremiah chapter 30 verse 19, which you should memorize. Yeah, I hope you bought the book, Build Your Arsenal. And what does it say in verse 19? It says, then out of them shall proceed thanksgiving. Hallelujah. And the voice of those who make merry. Do you even hear how you already feel different from the stories I've been reading? Out of them shall proceed thanksgiving. And the voice of those who make merry. And then God says, I will multiply them and they shall not diminish. Those who are thankful. I will also glorify them and they shall not be small. When people are thankful, God is glorified. He says, if you let the voice of, if you let thanksgiving come out of your mouth, thanksgiving is not quiet. It magnifies God. And when you let the voice of those of, of a merry person come out of your mouth, God will multiply you and you shall not diminish. He will glorify you and you shall not be small. Then out of them shall proceed thanksgiving and the voice of those who make merry. I will multiply them and they shall not diminish. I will also glorify them and they shall not be small. Listen to me. Thanksgiving is powerful and also... <laughs> Complaining is powerful, but negatively. Do not engage in complaining. Do not, in fact, he says, do everything without complaining or grumbling so that you may become blameless and pure. Children of God without spot in a crooked and deprived generation. Do everything without complaining. Let your words be seasoned with salt. Let your words bring life and not death. In the book of Deuteronomy 28, there are so many scriptures about the blessing of God. But at some point... Things turn around and it's about curses. And he starts saying to them, what will happen?
what will happen to those who do what cast 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 it's so bad I don't know I don't remember where exactly it is where it talks about because you did not give thanks to God for the abundance of things verse 47 of Deuteronomy 28 because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything therefore you shall serve your enemies whom the Lord will send against you when you don't serve the Lord with gladness of heart for the abundance of everything remember what we saw in in uh, in 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 1 Corinthians 10:10 what did we see there in verse 10 no complainers some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer so when you don't serve the lord with gladness of heart for the abundance of things you serve your enemies you open the door for the destroyer and i hope that today you've understood that complaining and grumbling are going to be far from you because they are not innocent they are not innocent at all complaining murmuring grumbling are the subtle tools of hell to keep you bound at one level And you know stagnation is not really stagnation it's backward movement because other people keep moving forward and you're still in one position they are subtle they are so thanksgiving and and agreeing with god and praise these are the things that you should be using every day in your life you will have what you say so the explosive combination of believing in your heart and confessing with your mouth unto salvation wow that's a thing that we began with and that's where i want you to be so if you're used to saying things you don't mean it's going to get harder for you to believe start saying things that you mean because faith is rooted in understanding who you are that there are things when you say them they come to pass complaining leads to destruction because you invite the destroyer in your life with your words god watches over his word to perform it and the enemy watches over his words also to perform them when you complain you create the environment of darkness and you invite the destroyer to destroy but when you give thanks god multiplies you and you don't diminish he glorifies you and you're not small when you praise the lord there is a lifting when you give thanks so instead of complaining start giving thanks everywhere you go thank god my life is good i thank god for this i thank god for the other try thanksgiving instead of complaining thank the waiter thank the conductor thank the people who work in your home thank i don't know who thank thank give thanks to your boss write them a note this week maybe they are irritatingly annoying you be nice and see what's going to happen send them a note and thank them for giving you a job some of you are already rolling your eyes as you hear this well try and see you'll come and thank me later your promotion might be waiting just one attitude change stop being a complainer stop being a passive person so don't say i'm moving from complaining to silence no don't be neutral move from complaining move into thanksgiving don't say i'm going i'm not going to talk <laughs> bishop dag who says someone who said i am not saying anything to anyone about anything anymore no that's not what i want you to do please i want you to say something to god and to people around you become a person who always is giving thanks always has a testimony always has joy around them it's an environment of heaven and you know what things are going to turn around i know that god has spoken to you so do something give thanks every day give thanks set an alarm if you need to which says stop and give thanks i remember in 20 i think 18 i set that alarm for a whole year at midday an alarm went off and said stop and give thanks i had to teach myself to be thankful because i had started entering so much complaining and grumbling and it and my life was getting worse and some of you that's what you need to turn around right now wow what a good word what a good word that's very practical and has opened your eyes i'm sure to the displeasure that complaining brings god but most of all the fact that when you complain you open the door to the destroyer to destroy your life but when you give thanks you open the door for god to multiply you and increase you and glorify you according to jeremiah 30 verse 19 what a blessing don't be afraid if you have fear in your heart i've been i've been complaining bad things are going to happen no you have the power to reverse them by engaging thanksgiving now god is a god of so much grace and he wants to turn things around in your life so go ahead and engage thanksgiving even starting right now you can start typing in the chat what are you thankful to god for go somewhere on our whatsapp group and declare that today is thanksgiving monday or tuesday or wednesday and give thanks start it off by giving thanks find something that in the beginning when you've been used to complaining you will look for good good things and you can't find them but the more you give thanks the more you're not aware that there are bad things even happening in your life because you've chosen to focus on what god is doing 
and you're magnifying him with thanksgiving. Wow! Now, we began by talking about how with the heart you believe and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And I want to give you an opportunity. You who is watching me and you've never made Jesus Lord of your life, I want to give you an opportunity to believe and confess with your mouth unto salvation to enter the life everlasting with Jesus Christ. It's not a change of religion. It is just entering a relationship with God as your heavenly father. And I want you to pray this simple prayer after me. Say, Lord Jesus, today I accept you as my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of all my sins and give me a new beginning. Take my life and do something significant with it. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, welcome to the family of God. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Let us know that you made that decision. Send us a message. Send us an email. Tell us what God has done in your life. And even other testimonies of things that God has done, we would like to celebrate with you. Let us know that you've received Jesus. We want to connect you to some resources and some families, that spiritual families that can help you start your journey with God. Welcome home. You are loved. I'll see you again next week, same place, same time. Remember to share this with friends and family. You're blessed. Bye.